Well, hello and welcome back to the iHealth channel, the FinFab channel, and iHealth Radio. Hurricane H here with a different guest, new guest, uh, a different angle. Uh, today we're going to take it a little bit into the fitness and mindfulness. Uh, but I have somebody that's been doing this for quite a while uh, as a uh, 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 someone that teaches in Harvard uh, the mindfulness to students and faculty. And so, so this is going to be more of a fit, you know, and and really a correlation between fitness and health, mind, body, the whole works. So so I have with me Jeffrey Siegel. We are going to refer to him today as Jeff. How are you doing, Jeff? Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm doing well, man. I'm excited to be here. Looking forward to getting to chat. Ah, well, listen, hey, we're excited. So so I know you, you have a lot of background in terms of putting it all together between the mind, the body, and, and, and the mindfulness and the, the, the habits, the eating healthy, not eating healthy, all that stuff. So, so why don't we first, before we go there, let's talk about a little bit of your background, um, you know, where you've been, how you've been doing it, you know, what, what, what got you into, into this whole fitness piece, right? There's a lot of fitness out there. And also we'll talk about concepts and misconceptions, right, or misconceptions rather. So, so let's, let's go there. Who is Jeff Siegel? So I, I like to kind of trace my journey back to being a teenager and a high schooler where I actually suffering from an eating disorder and I almost starved myself to death, like to the point where I stopped eating. Um, and I, I couldn't really explain to you what was going on at that time. You know, there was like this little voice in my head that just sort of took over and said, you know, control food, um, count calories, stop eating, you know. And so I, I learned a ton about nutrition and metabolism and all these things, but I did it in such a harmful, harmful way to the point where I actually had to drop out of high school. Uh, I had to be hospitalized for a little while. And, and I was just in a really, really dark place. You know, I was uh, physically a wreck, mentally uh, just really kind of depressed. And so I think my journey began when I started to crawl myself out of that dark place back to a place of health and healing. And that journey involved um, so many different components, you know, and exercise and movement was a huge, huge piece of that for me and learning how to move my body in a way that I could get stronger and get more mobile, uh, but do it in, in, a, in a healthy way. And then also, you know, learn how I can feed myself and what kind of nutrition is going to be right for me. Uh, and then also learn how I could work with my mind and my thoughts. And that's where the mindfulness piece and the meditation and a little bit more of the kind of spiritual side of personal growth came in for me. And so this is something that I studied, I've uh, been living across the world um, and I've been teaching, uh, trying to bring all these different facets of sort of science and spirituality, health and fitness, mind and body together in service of, of helping people live better lives, you know, so like less pain, less suffering, less harm to ourselves and to other people. Well, that, that is very interesting because it took some serious event 
that that got you into it. But but if you don't want me to ask, I mean, something triggered your first behavior, where you really felt that you needed to look better or do something, and ultimately went extreme, which a lot of people do today. And you know, we see now, and we'll talk about that in, in in a minute, where different types of diets and different types of exercise programs, and people think that they work, and then ultimately may take them the wrong route. So tell us about that piece, and then maybe we'll expand from there. Yeah. I mean, I like to use the word extreme because I think that's such a good word to characterize the culture that we live in when it comes to fitness, when it comes to diets, right? It's like we've, we've gotten polarized into these extremes, right? Where it's like, and, and, and I don't, don't want to like critique any single one, but there's, you know, you've got like meat only on one end, right? You've got like, you know, you've, uh, you know, you're vegetarian, you know, vegan only on the other end, or you've got people that, you know, swear by like, I'm only going to do kettlebell workouts, or I'm only going to do calisthenic workouts. It's like people become so divided and they get really, you know, tribal in, in saying like, this is the one right way to do things. And my approach is saying, you know what, there's a lot of right way to do things. Like all of these camps, I think have something important to teach us. Right. And, but it's like, how can we pull out those important truths and put them together into something that's a little bit more inclusive? Cause I feel like that's, what's going to work for most people in the long run. Right. And I think that's the other thing here is like a lot of stuff can work in the short run. And sometimes going to one extreme is helpful in, in the short run. Cause if you're coming from a place where you're really out of balance, and let's face it, like a lot of us and a lot of our lives are really out of balance when it comes to movement and exercise and nutrition. Um, so sometimes we need to go all the way to the other extreme to kind of like pull things back. But like in terms of a long-term sustainable solution, I think we need to be looking um, about how we can piece these things together. Well, I, I, I refer to that as a uh, almost uh, the analogy of a relationship, right? You know, I mean, it, it's not something overnight. <laughs> it's a long-term commitment and, you know, and it takes all of the above. So it's food, it's it's mind, body, it's uh, the, the the exercise programs. And to your point, it's not one style. And, you know, it's it's a good thing to have a little bit of all. Uh, and I, that's where I, I stand. I mean, taking a little bit of uh, a piece of everybody, right? Meaning a little bit of boot camp if I have to, a little bit of, uh, you know, uh, taking care of, you know, my meals correctly, and depending on the, the time of the day, so on and so forth, you know, uh, looking at calorie counts, all the stuff that you can use. But really just, uh, you, you I, I mean, I've talked to dietitians, you know, over years, and um, one thing they've always agreed on is you don't have to deprive yourself of everything. You just have to do everything in moderation. And so, and I, I think, I mean, that's a, you know, a great rule to, to, to live by. But again, to your point, some people will probably uh, get to a position in their life where either they get too, too heavy in terms of weight or too skinny on the, uh, the other contrast, right? And then ultimately they wanna turn it around. And so they go extreme to, to just fill in out the blank. And that could be really something that will work for uh, a period of time. But is it consistent? Can you sustain it for a long term? And that's usually where it drops. And when it drops, it probably gets worse. <laughs> and that's really, <laughs> you know, I think, what I've noticed. Yeah. So go ahead. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, the, you know, what you're mentioning about, you know, the sort of all things in moderation approach. I think, yes, in general, that actually is, is a really great sort of attitude to take. However, I find there is, there's three different situations where that approach tends to fall apart. Right. And one is, you know, if you have particular foods that you know just are trigger foods for you, right? And some people have that thing, like no matter what it is, like you can't just stop at one, uh, you know, whether that's, that's ice cream or cookies or donuts, 
Um, for me, it's like, I love nuts, but I will sit and I will just like crush an entire can of nuts, you know, and then be gone in like 30 seconds, right? So it's like, for some of those foods that, that tend to just send you over the edge, I think it's important to have some clear boundaries for yourself, you know, around like where you're going to be eating these things and when and how much, right? Um, I think the second type of place where like moderation falls apart is, you know, it's that becomes a slippery slope for a lot of a lot of just like low quality processed junk food to kind of like start to slip into people's diets. So like, I see it like in the beginning, it's like, yeah, you know, I'm going to eat some of this junk is everything in moderation, but then like, you know, moderation becomes every night and then it becomes a couple times a day. Right. And I think the, the challenge there is a lot of us lack Discipline. and this, this, this is not going to land so well, but it's like, I don't think most of us are honest enough with ourselves right? We, we delude ourselves so much. And so, you know, and unless you're really, really honest with yourself, this whole everything in moderation thing can very quickly fall apart. Um, and then I think the, the third thing that tends to get in people's way is like, just the, the complexity of it all. Because if you're saying everything in moderation, it means like you're making all of these complex calculations of like, well, when was the last time I ate this thing? And am I going to eat it again this next time? And how does this fit in with all my other macros? And what did I eat before? And it's like, there's the nutritional decisions that we make are so complex. And I think it's honestly, it's overwhelming. There's an overwhelming amount of complexity and our, and most of the times like our brains, our cognitive apparatus cannot handle it. So what do we do is like, we, we just oversimplify. We just fall back on old patterns because we just revert to what worked for us in the past. And a lot of times what worked for us in the past is not gonna work for us in the future. And so I think a lot of times we just get lost in the complexity. And that's, um, that's just a larger situation that I think all of us are sort of living in right now. It's like, how do we handle all of this complexity? Well, I think I think one, one, one two elements I would extract from the discussion right now. One is discipline, and, and the other is behavior, right? So, so ultimately, you're right. I mean, yeah, what what is moderation? It, it varies from you to me to anyone, right? It's like we determine, we define it to our own liking, and you know our biases, of course, of course, and therefore, to your point, we're not so honest because you know what I think is a it's a, a good amount of you know a snack may not be exactly what it is. And then I might just indulge a little bit more and that's it. I mean, and, and, you know, I think that's where we have these conceptions about, you know, diet and stuff and, and, and food and so on and so forth. So, so to your, to your, you know, in your experience, what are the, some of the, the top misconceptions that you've experienced, or at least that you, you, you address and, and on a regular basis when it comes to either diet or exercise? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, one of my favorite questions that people ask all the time is like, is this healthy? You know, they'll pick up a, a bar or, you know, and they'll say, hey, you know, hey, Jeff, is, is this healthy? You know, actually, you know, it's one of my it's one of my father's favorite questions. He loves asking this to me. And, you know, and I just look at him and I told him a million times and I'm like, dad, like, you know, like the answer to that question, is, like how much time do you have? Because it's going to take like an hour to answer that question. Right. Because like this, you know, is it healthy is kind of. A ridiculous question because health does not live inside one single item right health lives in the relationship between that food and your body right between the macronutrients the micronutrients the vitamins the minerals right the energy and the information in that food and then how your body right your microbiome your digestive system your genetics your preferences like how all of that is going to digest assimilate process right mm -hmm. and so um i think 
again, this, this, this misconception that, you know, some foods are healthy and some foods are unhealthy. You know, like, yes, there are certainly foods out there that we can very clearly say, like, you know, like trans fats, like generally unhealthy, right? Like broccoli, like generally pretty healthy. Um, right. But like most food lies somewhere in the middle and it really depends on how it's interacting with your body. And as you said, it depends on how much and when and what time, you know, you know, um, you know, if you're going to eat three pounds of broccoli at 3 a.m., I wouldn't necessarily call that healthy. So it, uh, you know, that's like, I think helping people break free from this healthy, unhealthy, black and white mindset is is one of the big challenges that that I face and, and that we all do. Um, again, sort of falling into these overly simplified traps because, you know, it's, it's just too much to like go to a store, right? You're looking on the supermarket shelf and there's like 50 different types of tuna. And you're like, well, which, which tuna is the healthiest, right? Do I get tuna in olive oil? Or I get tuna in soybean oil? Or I get tuna in corn oil? Do I get tuna with water? Or I get tuna with salt? Do I get tuna that's lime caught or wild caught? Do I get albacore or skipjack? Or like, you know, it's like, <laughs> you, like mo most people do not have the education or the patience to deal with that question, right? So you just grab the cheapest tuna and you throw it in your cart and you walk out, right? And that's, um, and that's just sort of the state of things. Well, uh, it's funny because you, you're talking about that, but you're right. I mean, there's so many options out there uh, and, you know, there's organic, not organic. I mean, you can think of there's the, the, the supplement stuff that you can buy as well to add to food. But you, you just, you know, touch on a couple of things. One is being, you know, the body, the metabolism, the genetics. Well, there's also the, the age, how you behave, your exercise amount. I mean, uh, you know, all that stuff. Someone that's young, I mean, will have a different metabolism than someone that's older or male versus a female. So all these things apply and uh, not everybody, there's no such thing as one unique formula for all. And I think that's, that's really what it is. I mean, there are concepts, but certainly what works for me may not work for you. What worked for me 10 years ago doesn't work for me today. I know for a fact, my body's not responding the same way, <laughs> you know, no matter yeah. what I do. <laughs> so that's a really another, like, I'm, I'm glad you brought up that point about age and about how, how like our bodies, right. Are the, there are these natural organic systems right and they're always changing and i think another challenge that i see is people you know as you mature and become an adult right part of becoming an adult is learning how to feed yourself and uh you know for some people that happens earlier on for some people that doesn't happen until like they're like 30 right but it's like you you know you learn one way of eating that kind of works for you and it works for your body at that certain age right but you never update that because as you said, like, right, as your body ages and your metabolism changes and the level of enzymes and things change, right? And then obviously your activity levels and other things are also changing and your hormones are changing, right? So like, yeah, your, your diet needs to change too. And I think most people, again, get kind of trapped into eating one way because that was the way that, that tended to work. And, and, and the difficulty is that we're all left to make these decisions on our own. Right. And this is where like my work as a, a health coach is to give people that support that they don't get anywhere else because there's so many people out there struggling to figure out, hey, what the hell do I eat? Right. But like, where do they look? You know, and because uh, it, there's just way too much challenge and not enough support for most people to figure that question out. So so, Jeff, you mentioned health coach. Uh, you know, let's let's how about if we define that for folks, because I mean, there's health coach and is that does that also include fitness coach or is it the same or different things or is it, you know, a combination of both? So yeah. maybe you can give us a little clarity on that just to, to for people listening to see the difference if there is one. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting question. And I usually don't like to get like overly bogged down in semantics and labels. But 
this is a question I've wrestled with myself in terms of just how do I, because, you know, people ask me like, Jeff, what do you do? You know, <laughs> sometimes I say I'm a health coach. Sometimes I say I'm a, I'm a wellness coach. Sometimes I say I'm a fitness coach, right? And it's like, I'm, am, am I all of these things? Yes. It like, it depends. And some of it is, it depends on what the person needs the most, right? So like, I'll take off one hat and I'll put on the other. But for me, you know, I, I just sort of think of health and, and well-being together in this sense of, you know, not just being free from pain and disorder and disease, but it's really an expression of like, how energetic and joyful and excited are you to be alive today, right? Like that's true well-being, right? That's when we go from surviving to thriving. So I just want to help people move along that continuum, right? So they can get out of whatever sort of sucky or feelings that they're in and move into a place where it's like all these parts of their life, right? The physical, the mental, the emotional, and then the relationships and all the other things that surround that, right? Feel like they're, they're working for them rather than against them. Well, thank you. I mean, I, I didn't mean to put you on the spot there, but I, I think, I mean, you just defined <laughs> it, you defined it actually perfectly because you're right. There is no, you know, I mean, we can give titles to different things we do, but really to your point, it's it's all the above. I mean, you work with people to keep them, you know, in a good place health-wise. And that could include the fitness components and the right advice and so on and so forth. So I get it. And I think I think it's a pretty simple, you know, simple concept in a way. And uh, at the end of the day, it's getting the message to people and getting the assistance for them. Now, in terms of... Um, the, the, the self-sabotage, I know that's a word that you used, you know, I think, I think people, uh, sometimes we destroy ourselves and without even knowing it. I mean, you know, it depends on what, what our behavior can be, but at the end of the day, it's really us, you know, to blame all the time. And, you know, sometimes we forget or we don't, we don't see it happening until it's too late. And then we want a quick fix, you know, like, you know, it takes months for you to gain a certain amount of weight and then you want to get rid of it overnight it doesn't happen <laughs> and now it's the <laughs> commitment again you have to set yourself to it and we we see this all the time you know in the fitness world and in in just the different diets and you know all the nutrition stuff out there it's just about people they're not happy with how they are how they look and so on and so forth but then the question is how did you get there how do you avoid and prevent getting there in the first place and we all have a little relaxed time i mean i've been through it you know sometimes you just like give up <laughs> you know, it's like that, that discipline over time, you know, you get tiring. I mean, eventually you're like, oh, okay, you know, I'm just going to, you know, slack off. I'm going to cheat today. And then sometimes the cheat becomes more frequent. And then now, you know, like, well, I got a little belly here going on. <laughs> so, so how, wh what would you say to people, you know, how can they prevent that? I mean, or at least, you know, be aware of it. Yeah. I, I like the phrase that you use, like discipline over time. Because, you know, somebody asked me, like, how do I get results? I'll say that discipline over time, right? Like consistent reps. And I don't just mean like, you know, squats and push ups, but yeah, like that can be part of it if you want it to be, right? But it's like that daily practice, right? It's like, how do you show up every single day without getting in your own way? And that's the self sabotage piece. And again, I think a lot of, um, you know, a lot of us like don't have a deep enough understanding of, of human psychology to, to recognize that, like, you know, our minds are not just one thing. Right, like our minds are actually filled with a lot of different belief systems, a lot of different ideas are floating around there. Some of them are kind of our own, a lot of them are things that we just inherited from society, from our teachers, from our family, right, uh, from our friends, right, and they're kind of all drifting around. And so, we have a lot of different voices in our head, right. And so, this whole idea of self sabotage, I think, is just like we need to pay attention to all the different parts within us and how some of those parts are actually 
uh, in competition with each other, right? They don't agree because they want different things. They prioritize different things. They value different things. You know, there's a part of you that says, yeah, I want to get healthy and I want to lose some weight. Okay. But there's also another part of you that says, you know what, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable just sitting on the couch and eating my chips and it makes me feel safe. It makes me feel happy in that moment. Right. Um, and so like now we've got these two different parts and the question is like, which one's louder, which one's in the driver's seat. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that's, you know, it's like, I think we need to just give a lot more attention uh, to how like, yeah, we all have these parts. And I think it's also important not to, not to necessarily demonize them. Right. So like, as you said, like the, the, the part of you that sort of sabotages or gets in the way or, you know, makes you unhealthy or makes you, you know, become overweight. Right. Um, it isn't trying to destroy your life intentionally. Right. It's just, usually it's just trying to keep you safe in some way. Right. These are parts that are trying to protect us you know, because something somewhere inside, it feels kind of vulnerable. And so, you know, we're just trying to protect that. Unfortunately, right, what happens is we try to protect that vulnerability by using food in, in a maladaptive way. So our coping mechanisms aren't really very good ones. And that's the problem. So if you can learn to upgrade the coping mechanism, honor the part of you that was actually just there to try to protect you, then you can actually start to kind of unwind the psychology and now you don't have all these parts fighting with each other, but you actually are getting everything to work together on the same team. And for me, like doing that inner psychological work, I think is an important piece of making sure that that outer physical work, right, the, the consistent reps over time actually gets done and keeps going. Well, so, so, so Jeff, you're referring to a full mindfulness of, of the whole concept, right? I mean, is that, is that what we're talking about here? Uh, yeah, I mean, mindfulness is, is a huge is a huge piece of this. Mindfulness is what I would say is is the tool that gives you that self awareness, right? Is the tool that you can develop to look inside yourself and begin to notice that hey, like yeah, like there's you know there's a part of me or a voice or a belief that I have over here that says this, and guess what? There's another part of me over here that has this. So mindfulness um, is is that power to introspect that power to observe ourselves. Cause once we then have that awareness, then it gives us some more choice. Cause a lot of times, as you said, we get in our way without us even knowing it, right? Because we're not even aware of all these different things and, we're, and therefore we don't have any choice. We can't do anything about it. So, so how do we, I guess, achieve mindfulness in this case? I mean, it, it's, it's gotta be triggered somehow, right? I mean, there's awareness and mindfulness right now. So which one comes first? <laughs> or is it even the same, right? It's kind of sounds yeah. a little kind of intriguing here. <laughs> of course, you know, and this is where it's like, <laughs> we could we could spend an hour sort of unpacking the definition of mindfulness and people argue about this all the time. Like, what is it, you know? Um, you know, and, and for me, mindfulness is is about, you know, coming to the present moment, right? With a sense of, of curiosity and, and a sense of kindness, right? And, that, and that's important, both of the, have both of those pieces there, right? Because you can be really present and aware of the moment, but you can be a total jerk <laughs> towards yourself and towards other people. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to be as aware as possible, right? 360 degrees, three dimensions, aware of what's going on outside of me, aware of what's going on inside of me, right? This is sort of that 3D mindfulness, right? But doing it in a way that maintains this sort of openness. I'm open to possibilities. I'm receptive, right? I'm not judging 
all the different things that are happening. And that's really, really freaking hard, but that's why practices like meditation are helpful because they build that skill. They build that ability to be present without constantly judging yourself or constantly getting in your own way. That's pretty, uh, I think that summarizes the concept for me. <laughs> I, hope, I hope people are getting that. Uh, but so I want to ask the, the, the question, and it's almost going back you know, into some of the topics, well, the things that we discussed earlier, about eating habits, right? Mm -hmm. so, so obviously you're aware, you're mindful, you try to get everything done, but why, why is that people that they, they don't know how to kind of form a certain you know, pattern of eating healthy? Or oh, what is even eating healthy? I mean, we talked about different things, picking extreme you know, measures, but, but you know, is there a formula? That is that if someone applies it, at least in your world, you know, something that can be uh, almost a success formula for eating healthy and staying healthy, and really building uh, a good behavior. Yeah. You know, I, I love uh, the work of David Katz, who's a physician. He's uh, started something called the True Health Initiative, right? And then also the work of Michael Pollan, if you've read his books, right? He summed it up, right? Pretty basic, like, you know, eat real food, mostly plants, not too much, you know? And, and I think the, as we said here, this is sort of almost a little bit of a paradox. Like nutrition is incredibly individual right, as we talked about, because of your genetics and your microbiome and all these things. So it's like, what works for your body, right, is not going to work for my body, right, at, at the micro level. But at the macro level, if you zoom out, right, and you look at humans, right, humans as a species, we are a species of mammals, you can, you can say with like pretty good confidence that there is an overarching dietary pattern that works well for humans, right? In the same way that you can go to a zoo and say, hey, like chimpanzees eat this. And, you know, and over here, like polar bears eat this, right? And if you feed the chimpanzees what the, what the polar bears eat, like you're going to start to, they're going to have all sorts of metabolic problems, right? And so, you know, I think that the overarching pattern for, for humans, as we said, it's like eating whole unprocessed foods, right? Most of it is, is plant-based. You can include meats and fishes. You can include some dairy if that kind of works for you, right? Nuts and other things like, like that tends to be the basis that's going to get you, right? Like 80% of where you need to go, right? And then from that 80%, then you start to fine tune it of like, you know, are you the type of person that, that does, that likes a lot of meat and protein? Like you actually do really well with that. Okay, are you the type of person that actually does way well with like lighter, lower fat type things? And so that's where you need to start to experiment. And as you said, recognize that it's always changing. Well, I mean, that, that that's pretty uh, simple, you know, process. You know, I mean, if, if you think about it, I mean, it sounds simple. I, I think that's the, it's so simple that it's hard to actually sometimes attain. I think that's really it, the paradox it's, right there. It's so simple that it's hard. Yeah. Because, <laughs> because, because again, you know, it's, it's hard because you walk into a supermarket and it's like, what do you see? You know, it's like, you've got your, you've got your plants in one area, you've got your produce. Okay. But then like every other aisle, it's like, is that real quote unquote real food? You know, and it's like, you know, we live in a world where there's like just so much processed stuff and i'm and again i'm not claiming that every single processed food is a horrible thing like i'm not out there like you know eating you know grass and dirt right but like generally speaking you know just doing your best and and it's hard because we become so disconnected from our food uh you know and this is part of the culture of convenience where you just pull out your phone and you get on uber eats and you hit, hit a button and you've got your meal delivered and again most people don't really think about it we're making decisions 
you know, based upon cost and convenience um, and, and taste and, and, but, you know, health, like how is that impacting my blood sugar? How is that impacting, uh, you know, my overall mood, my anxiety, like all of these things. I think people don't necessarily see that like food impacts all of that stuff, you know? Um, and so it's just like learning to, uh, you know, respect that relationship. And I think if we all got a little bit more educated on our food and where it comes from, you know, we would maybe make different decisions about what we actually put in our body. So, so Jeff, we, we talked about, um, body, uh, mindfulness, you know, self-sabotage, all this stuff. What, what's, what would be a percent based on the experience? And I'm sure you've, you've had either the question or have dealt with people. What, what does the mental state have to do with this? I mean, mm -hmm. ultimately, there's got to be a factor here where the mind over the body, right? And so what is that formula? What is that balance, you know, at mm -hmm. least in, in your experience? Yeah. I mean, mindset plays a significant role here, definitely. But I think mindset is almost like a little bit too limited of an idea because we tend to think of mindset of like positive mindset or growth mindset, or it's like a mindset is like this temporary state of mind that you get in, right? And, and the problem is like, that goes away, that changes. It's a temporary state, right? And it's like, you can show up and you can be really motivated today. Like I'm in a positive motivated mindset today, right? And it's like, guess what? I'm gonna do all the, I'm gonna do all these great things for my body. But then tomorrow it's like, I'm not in that mindset. I'm a different mindset. So it's like, there's, there's something beyond that. I think it has to do with a deeper sense of just like how we make meaning of the world. And, and that's, that's a whole bigger thing to, to unpack, you know? And, you know, use this term, mind over body. And, uh, you know, what I often talk to people about is, is trying to actually come into a different relationship, right? Instead of your mind being this little dictator, right? Telling your body what it should do. It's like, what about if you had like mind with body, right? It's like, I want a relationship where it's like my thoughts, okay, are listening to my body. I think listening to your body, that's again, where the mindfulness comes into play because all mindfulness, especially when you're learning it, usually begins with being aware of what's going on in your body. It's like, we all need to practice listening to our body. But then once our body tells us, hey, I'm hurting, I'm hungry, you know, I ache, right? We need to learn how to interpret those signals. There is a lot of times where we misinterpret it because A, we either don't trust our bodies or B, our bodies say, our, like, our, say they, our bodies say, hey, I'm hungry, but we need to verify that. And this is where the mind part is really important. Right, because sometimes our body signals, because we live in such a crazy artificial world, have all been all jumbled up, right? And so it's sending us signals that aren't necessarily optimal signals. So it's like there's a time and place for some mental discretion, but then there's also a time and place for just trying to kind of listen to your body. And and again, it depends on where you're coming from. I think uh, both of these camps here again have something important to say, like the mind over matter, like. Yes, there's a time and place for that, especially in competition when you're trying to push through to the end and you need that extra grit and that determination and everything is hard. It's just like, yeah, you need to have your mind in that exact right place to keep your body and your physiology to just cross that finish line or get to where you're going. Right. Um, and that's super important skill to develop for high performance and for athletes. And right. But then there's this other camp that just says, you know, like, yeah, intuitive, intuitive eating, you know, just just listen to your body. Your body will tell you what it needs. And, and my answer is, is yes to both of those and no to both of those, right? Because like, um, 
there's times where, like I said, like your body is going to tell you some things and it might actually actually be what you need just because your body can be a little bit confused because guess what? It's been so dysregulated and so out of whack for so long because you've mistreated it that like actually it signals aren't very good to listen to. Right. Um, so it's like, we need to find there. What is that middle ground? And that's a, uh, I wish I had a simple answer for you, but that's something I'm still working on myself, my friend. Well, well, actually, I think I think to me, you've 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 hit on on it. I mean, because I think there is no one that has to be better than the other. I think it's a it's it's got to be equal. I mean, the body the, the body has to to give, and and the mind has to give, because because it's like pain, right? You get pain, it sends a signal to your brain. Brain knows that there's pain. You have to to stop doing whatever you're doing, right? Mm-hmm. Vice versa. If you get a, a sugar craving and you know it's not good i mean now you got to be conscious about it and you got to stop you know and and vice versa and also you need to give good nutrients to your brain to maintain it so so i think i think in everything it has to be balanced i think in life you know we have to have balance in everything and even when this in this particular you know concept or at least in this scenario that should be as as just as important uh so so i think i think you've you've did you did answer <laughs> you know in, in in a good way because i mean some people may may potentially disagree or maybe they have a different uh, view yeah when i i invite that disagreement you know and i think there's a lot of people out there that that do and and i welcome that you know i mean there's no question that people have achieved amazing amazing feats with their body by coming from this very sort of like head right top down approach right i'm just going to dominate my body with my thoughts and make it do whatever i tell it to do right and 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 it and the body right is so resilient our bodies are so freaking adaptive that they will right they'll show up and they'll grow and they'll get stronger and they'll dab because like all our body is trying to do is survive and if we push it to the edge like it will come with us but it comes with us at a cost and i think for most people out there that are simply just trying to like wake up without a lot of pain in their body and to to look in the mirror and be like, you know, more satisfied than dissatisfied with what they see, right? It's like, um, we need to find more of that middle approach. And I like what you said, it's like, sometimes the body has to give, sometimes the mind has to give. We need to have the wisdom to know when to do what. Well, listen, I mean, I, I think I think even if people disagree, they'll probably still accept it as, as a concept because you don't go wrong with that one. <laughs> you know, I mean, when you're in the middle ground, you're always safe, right? I mean, you, you don't go any other <laughs> stuff. <laughs> I, I think that's a good approach for, you know, I see it. That yeah, way. I love that. You know, that's, that's part of me probably just being conflict avoided. <laughs> well, I, 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 would, I would be the same. That's me. I, I always try to be in the middle of things. There's two extremes. I stand in the middle. I try to keep that nice balance and hopefully it works. And I mean, it works for me for the most part. Sometimes, you know, like, like everybody else, you have to have some fails, right? <laughs> but so, so Jeff, uh, I know, you know, this last year has been a rough year. I mean, in, in all aspects and it's still not over yet. I mean, we're still going through this whole COVID thing and it's not over. Um, there's a lot of debate out there. We're not talking about the politics behind it, but we're talking about the, just the health part of it. Right? So last year, people were pretty much quarantined for a long time. And some people probably even today may still not be comfortable going out as much as they did. Things are still closed. Gyms are not really as open. Um, so that had to have an impact on people. Uh, and, and I think we've talked about this in, in, in uh, previous shows, but in your experience in the last year, how has it been in terms of getting people in the right place? Uh, you know, because some people really want crazy food. Mm-hmm. and they're just home watching tv and stuff some people went the other way and just like literally took it to the streets running and doing good activities so so yeah. what was your experience yeah 
I mean, look, there's, there is no question that 2020 and, you know, and even, you know, early in this year has been, uh, has been crazy. It's been crazy for people's bodies, crazy for people's health. A lot of the patterns that people had before COVID, like just totally broke down. I think a lot of people sort of went, went into this kind of like anything goes sort of phase, at least initially of like, you know, F it, like, you know, I'm just going to eat whatever <laughs> the hell I want. Right. Um, and I think I like what you said of like, you know, it, it's, it's really, it's been an interesting if you step back and sort of look at it almost like this like crazy massive social experiment right and it's like we're going to take the entire society we're going to lock them in their homes right we're going to prevent them from going to all the places that they like to go and we're going to prevent them from seeing all their friends they like to see right like that places an enormous amount of stress mentally and physically right so like mentally right we don't have the relationships that we have with people we're missing that social contact Right, we lose so much when we don't get to have those interactions. Like, thank goodness there's freaking Zoom and FaceTime and all these things. At least that's like a, a little bit of that, right? But it's like we need each other. That actually helps co-regulate our nervous system, right? It's like if I'm feeling really anxious, the worst possible thing I can do is sit in a room by myself, right? But if I'm with other people that are also in, in a little bit more of a calm state, then that can those other people can actually help calm me down. Right. And, and so that's how social relationships is so important for mental health um, for other reasons as well. And then for physical health, obviously, like we're stuck at home. What does that mean? That means limited movement. That means a lot of time sitting. That means less time outdoors, less fresh air, less sunshine. Right. And all of these things also then put a strain on our bodies. Um, and so, yeah, across the board, you know, it's it's I've seen, I think, overall, a lot of health deteriorate, but there have been some positive things, I think. Uh, you know, my hope, I, I remember saying like back at the beginning of this, like my one wish was like, if people are stuck at home, maybe they'll start cooking more. <laughs> you know, I'm like, you know, if you've got, if you've got no other options, like maybe you'll, you'll learn how to cook a little more. Cause I think, you know, this goes back to the food conversation. It's like learning how to cook, uh, and just cooking more meals for yourself is one of the best things that you can do to take back control of your own health. Right. And then another, you know, Another thing, this comes from the work of uh, Dan Siegel, who's like a, he's a neuroscientist. He talks about, uh, you know, when we're looking at, you know, complex emergent systems, and guess what, our bodies and our nervous systems are these complex emergent systems. When you put them under stress, one of two things happen, right? They either move towards rigidity or they move towards chaos. And that's always stuck with me because you can look at like how, you know, somebody is handling the stress of the pandemic. Some people get overly rigid, right? And it's like, you know, it's like, I'm going to just do this one thing and I get really, really stubborn or you kind of like double down, right? Or some people are just like you said, sort of like anything goes, F it, I've got no routine, I've got no schedule, I'm not going to, I'm not going to track anything, I'm not going to care, right? And so I think it kind of pushes people towards one or the other of these extremes, Right. And, and again, in terms of long term sustainable health, like neither of those are particularly good places. You know, you don't want to be hanging out there for too long. Um, and that comes back to like, all right, how do we how do we reel it back in, pull it back together? Well, and you're right. I think that's where we are today. I mean, some people are just coming back out, you know, to try to get back a little bit of balance in their life. And I think that's been that is tough because, you know, a lot of people gain weight. Uh, and, you know, I mean, I can, I can even speak for myself. I mean, I picked up a couple of pounds. <laughs> I mean, I, I do exercise, but but certain things I did before, I couldn't do it. Then the winter came, and, and so kind of like, you know, it shut down a lot of stuff. Activities I used to do, like my gym, you know, I had, you know, certain things that I did at the gym I couldn't do at home. You can do all the good stuff home, but it's not the same, right? 
Uh, so, so you go outdoors, you know, but again, if there are no people with you, sometimes it's just a little lonely. You want to have do activities and again, the social aspect of it. So, so, you know, it, people are getting slowly but surely back in, ter- in track, I would say. Um, but but certainly, you know, they have to be aware of, you know, that you got to balance it out. And, yes, things will get better. And I think a little bit of positivity will help as well. Uh, but you're right. One of the things that I've noticed, even, you know, in our household, I mean, we stopped eating outside. So everything was pretty much fresh. You get your stuff, you cook it, less MSG, less less salt, less <laughs> less, less sugar, less, you know, all that, and uh, less oil and saturated fat, whatever. So it was all, all good stuff. So in a way, I mean, we saved money. <laughs> That's another aspect. So there's always yeah. a good side of things, right? You look at the, the bright side of, of everything. Um, yeah, I, I think it's important to, you know, to highlight the silver lining that that could exist and and for certainly for some people you know one of those other ones is like look i like i i miss going to a gym and i miss having access to you know all of the fancy gym equipment but it's also i think incredibly freeing to know that it's like i can move my body i can get a great workout i can stay really strong and really mobile right um without any gym without any equipment right it's like so teaching people right, to be their own gym, that that you can have that sense of strength and physical autonomy, and you can do it basically in your living room or in your backyard. Like, I think that's a really important thing because I, you know, and so I see this, it's going to be interesting to see how the trends play out in the fitness world, you know, over the next year, because, you know, everybody that was so used to going to a gym or so used to going to their favorite studio, you know, a lot of people are now used to working out at home. And so, you know, I think some people really, you know, have, have found some comfort in that. Um, and so that's, you know, that's, that's one of the things I think is important to look at. And then the other one is just to recognize that, you know, everybody's had such different experiences during COVID and so much of it has to do with, you know, obviously your, you know, socioeconomic factors, right. And what kind of home you're living in and what kind of resources you have, you know, and some people have had a way cushier than others. I just want to acknowledge that, you know, and it's been a huge blessing. Like I've got a space that I can work in and I got, and I got space I can work out in, even though it's the same space, like it's still a space that, and some people don't even have that. So it's hard. No, and you're right. I mean, it's, it's been a tough year. I mean, and certainly like in, in, in the cities, you know, in metropolitan areas, uh, you, know, you know, there's not much space you can do. You are quarantined home, and, and if you have a few people in the house, I mean, you share the same space, school, everything, work, and, and you know, sometimes it's very difficult. So it, it, it's been tough. I mean, yeah, outdoors is, is sometimes a, a good place to be. Uh, I know in the spring and the summer, you know, people are out there, you know, trying to get into, you know, some, some workout level, but... But, you know, to your point, if you're home, but, you know, you're right. There were, there are a lot of programs that, that came on, you know, after COVID to, to help people indoors. And there's so many now, new apps. Uh, I mean, our program is the same. I mean, we, we turn into a virtual program uh, and training and things like that. So we, you make the best of what you have, right? I mean, that's really what it is. So, but some people took advantage of it and to your point, but it does not replace being at the gym. It does not replace, you know, the social aspect of it, but certainly- yeah. Certainly, it has its own, you know, uh, I guess, pluses. In in the scheme of things, it's still a good thing. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. better than nothing. But is it the best? Probably not. And, you know, but, but you know, it helps people right now, even from work, right? If you think about it, even the way we do employment now has been transformed. I mean, a lot of companies, they don't even see the value of having an office because people are working home and delivering. So, yeah. so it changed. I mean, a lot of... It's almost like it proved some things that people didn't think about before, <laughs> you know, in terms of like they work and, you know, 
telework is one, telehealth is another, mm-hmm. you know, virtual sports are now another. So, so, I mean, we've learned a few things that can still be part of our future, but it certainly doesn't replace the things we had and we took yeah. for granted. So, uh, you know, and I'm going to, I'm going to say something that I think might be fairly controversial, I think, but that, you know, a lot of gyms and a lot of fitness really d- fails. It really doesn't help people like radically transform their bodies, at least not in the long run, right? For me, you know, and it's like, you know, you go to the gym and it's like, there's that group of people there and you go back to the gym a year later, there's that still that same group of people there, but guess what? Like all their bodies look the same, you know? The really jacked dudes are still really jacked and the really overweight dudes are still probably really overweight, you know? And, and this is just coming from my own experience. And of course I know that's not universally true, but I think for a lot of people, this, this is true. And so I think that the thing, like the thing about gyms that's been so hard, as you said, is the social aspect. Like what makes going to a gym so important for your health? And again, I'm thinking about health, not just as physical, but mental and emotional, right? Is that you get to see those same people over and over again, right? Like it becomes this place. It's like a club. It's right. It's a membership. You get to know the people, you have relationships. And what's important is that it's a place that's different from your home and it's different from your work right? It's this special in-between place. And I think we don't have a lot of those in-between places in our lives these days. And so to have that in-between place with the group of people that you feel connected to has such an important benefit for your overall social and emotional well-being that I think that is the real benefit of, of having gyms, you know? And of course, yes, like, you know, do your squats, lift your weights, you know, go for your run. All right. But... <laughs> Well, well, you know, Jeff, I, I would not, I, I would agree with you. It's not controversial. I think, I think, you know, it's not the gym that works or doesn't. It's really us and what we do with it. I mean, the gym is the platform, is the, the zone. You come in and it, it offers different things. And it's how you utilize those things and, you know, whether you, you maintain it or not. Some people really go to gym just to socialize. And you're right, it's a club. <laughs> you hang out. You, I've seen people like they spend hours just chatting, you know, and maybe a couple pumps and that's it. I, I got my stuff, you know, I get a shower and I'm good. So, but, but it, to your point, it gives them that little escape room, you know, from, from family, you know, friends, everything. You're social, but these are the guys that you're not hanging out with. You just see them, you talk to them, you talk about work, the stress, and yeah. you move on. But then on the flip side, you know, some people that come in there and they're really like just pumping. I mean, they go in there two, three hours, they're just working it, right? Uh, there's also the different classes that may be offered in those gyms and people come in, they have some fun with it and they, they, they stay, you know, socially, you know, uh, engaged and things like that. You're right. I think 50% of it is social. And, yeah. and so, so really it's not the gym. Uh, and you know, there's always room for, for gyms because that's, I think important for, for the, the platform and the, the, the space available with the amenities, you know, I mean, I'll give you an example for me. I love steam room and, and sauna, right? And mm-hmm. I don't have that at home. So, so that's yeah, something yeah. I lost, right? But that was part of my, my, my ritual. I go in there. I do a little bit 15, 20 minutes before. I do about a half hour after. It was the best thing I, that happened to me. I, I loved it, right? But when that stopped, it kind of like took away half of my, my, my gym flavor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but so it's, it depends how you see your gym and how you operate it, right? And, and it's, it's something that is, you know, going to be missed if we don't have them. Uh, and, and we have to adjust. I mean, that's the other thing. You said adaptability earlier. You know, we're resilient. You know, we have to adapt. Sometimes you have to do what you have to do, and uh, it yeah. works. Yeah. The, the word that stands out to me from what you said is this idea of ritual. I think that's an important piece to it. The people that I see that 
are probably most, you know, quote, like successful when it comes to sustaining a, a fitness program or a workout program, right? It's like they, they've created a ritual around it, right? Like going to the gym, right? It's like, you've got, you've got your bag, right? There's a certain mindset, right? You meet the certain people, you go through a certain motions at the end of it, you jump in the sauna, there's the steam room, there's a massage, right? Like it, um, it, it, it takes on this sort of elevated quality Yep. And, and that's really important because, again, I think we live in a world, you know, that our modern material world is really lacking for a lot of ritual. Right. And so I think as humans, this is there's a natural human desire for ritual for to, to make something go from being ordinary to being a little bit more almost even sacred. Right. And so it's like turning the gym into that is, is a wonderful thing. And, and then I thought, you know, for myself, that's true. And for a lot of other people, that's true. And so I think it just, it speaks to this cultural need that we all have for just like finding some ritual. And if you can turn any one of your healthy behaviors into a ritual, it's going to be that much more powerful. And guess what? It's going to stick around much, much longer. Uh, listen, I, I, I will go even one step over. I mean, to me, gym is religion. In a way. <laughs> I mean, really, like I, I've always been in, in, in some sort of a form of workout and exercise form, you know, through martial arts and so on and so forth. So to me, it, it is part of my behavior. It's part of my who I am. You know, I got to go to the gym. I got to do exercise, even at home. You know, if I, I I do a few pumps, push-ups, you know, some abs, some, some you know, jump, this, oh, jump, jump jack squats, whatever. But you got to do something, 15, 20 minutes, a half hour. You got to do it. You can't just be idle and just sit on the couch. But but again, it, it takes time to, to be, it's almost like something that's in genes now, in the DNA. Uh, but you got to build that, you know. So so it goes beyond. You're, you're, it's a ritual. It's almost like part of your religious belief. You have to do it. You commit into it. Um, mm -hmm. And 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 it's that's how you succeed. And that's also with food. You know, when you complement it with the correct you know nutrition and 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 formulas that you use for your daily intake. You know, uh, and and being aware. That's it. I mean, yes, I do cheat. You know, I love my sweets every now and then. I like my chocolate cake. <laughs> you know, you know, I can I'm, I have I have a weakness. I see chocolate. I gotta have it. So, <laughs> you know, the question is how much of it I have and when. <laughs> you know, I, I the. The term religious, I think, actually is 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 very accurate, you know, and uh, I think it's true with with gyms and fitness, and it's also true in the dietary world, right? And we live in a world of a lot of dietary dogma, right? Where again, we talk about it's like you know, if you're in the if you're you're it's like being gluten free or being paleo or being vegan is is like being a religion. It's like you know, it's it's very similar to back in the day when people would say you know, I'm Protestant or I'm Baptist or I'm Catholic, right? It's, it's, it's an identity that we hold on to, right? And sometimes it's like very visible and we throw it in people's faces, right? Sometimes no, maybe less so, <laughs> <laughs> right? And uh, yeah, again, it's just an interesting thing to see how, how those like dietary religions have sort of emerged, you know? And, and the, big, the, the biggest challenge as we talked about, like, you know, bring it full circle back to the start of our conversation, right? Is that you know, the, the, one of the biggest challenges with religion globally, right, is that they don't get along, right, is that, you know, we're, we're, we're over here, and I'm with people in my religion, and I'm over there looking at your religion, and, and we don't like each other, and we say, you know, you're wrong, I'm right, like, we have the answers, we're the sacred chosen people, and you guys are all going to hell, right, and I think this is true in the dietary world, too, and so it's like, we need to find a way to start to bridge these differences and recognize that like where we're all trying to go is the same place. Like we're all trying to evolve into something that's healthier and happier together. I actually love that. I mean, to your point, we can coexist in every aspect of the way. It's just a matter of us 
willing to. <laughs> I think that's really what it comes to. I mean, it's people who have these these biases and they just prefer their style or, or it works for them. They just think that's the only thing that works. There's multiple ways, you know, uh, you know, that you can do things. There's no one. I mean, you got to think about multidimensional versus like, you know, just 1D or 2D. <laughs> yes, I, I, yes. I think that's really what it is. And, and you know, like I, I, I can relate to it from a martial arts aspect, right? There's so many of them and they're all beautiful. And there's no, no, no such art that's better than the other. They all have their own angles. And, you know, the best ones are the ones that actually, you know, uh, the best people actually try to do multiples just to learn different things because every one of those arts will give you something. Even working out, different styles of working out, different formulas. I mean, machines, free weights, you know, classes, a little bit of boot camp. Look, you got to diversify. It's just like working different angles of your body. I mean, if you just do one set, one style, it gets dull over time. I mean, and it gets boring, and eventually you lose the traction. And I think that's that's another angle to it. I mean, it's not just one way. It's you got to be open to get more. And yeah, uh, there's. I mean, it's true. And I, you know, I, that's definitely been my path. Like my path is is a broad path. It is holistic. Like I am, I am always trying on different things and like pulling the little bits from them to try to piece them back together into something. And I actually, I study martial arts for most of, most of my life as well as a big part Sweet. of my life. And, you know, and I, I started with like basic Kempo Karate and then got into a little more BJJ. And like, ultimately, like I started doing mixed martial arts stuff, right? Like combining it together. Um, but then, and you know, th there's always going to be this trade-off though, right? Between specialization, right? right? And then having a real broad scope. And so you just got to recognize that, right? Like if, if you're the type of person that you love a particular type of martial art or you love a particular type of movement and you want to get really, really good at it, then yeah, like, you know, go, okay. go all in on it. Right. Yeah. But like recognize that that comes at a cost and especially you've got a cost for your body. So again, that's why I say, you know, it's like, uh, I think for, for the average person trying to be just generally, you know, quote unquote healthy, that level of like general physical preparedness, you know, recognizing that like, if you just do one type of strength training, right, you're missing a whole lot of other stuff. Or if you just do yoga, you're missing a whole lot of other stuff. And so when you can, you know, develop a more rounded fitness program, and you can look at, you know, the body in its natural context and ecosystem and how it was meant to move and incorporate that in, um, you're gonna, you're just, you know, you're gonna get better results. Most definitely. And again, listen, we can give opinion <laughs> and, you know, we can give advice, but I mean, people will ultimately have to do their own research and, uh, you know, um, I guess they got to do fact findings, right? Uh, so, so Jeff, I mean, we're coming to the end of the show and it's been real. It's been fun. I mean, I think we've, we've really, you know, had a, a nice little uh, exchange here of ideas and thoughts about, you know, fitness and, and, and the correlation to health and, and Ill, Ill, healthy habits and healthy behavior uh both mentally and physically uh so so jeff uh you're operating from what what is what is your you know i mean my, I'm, my home base yeah yeah <laughs> so I'm, I'm up here in uh boston somerville to be specific so i'm up here in new england um and you know prior to covid i was you know working with clients locally but i now i work with people all over uh remotely doing doing health and wellness coaching doing mindfulness and meditation work uh, doing more of the just personal development, personal growth uh, type of stuff. So uh, it's real easy to just find me at, at uh, Jeff Siegel Wellness online. 
All right. Well, that's exactly what I was asking. So if you want to reach out to Jeff, <laughs> you know, I will have the link on the actual description of the show. So please feel free to reach out to him, uh, get advice and, uh, you know, and, and, and see where that goes. I mean, certainly got a wealth of knowledge in terms of uh, guidance and, and potentially help you get to the right, you know, mix of formula that you need, health, body, <laughs> spirit, the works. So, so Jeff, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for being on the show. Uh, folks, uh, you watch it on the iHealth channel and the Fit and Fab channel. Thank you for watching. If you're listening on iHealth Radio, uh, uh, you know, I hope you enjoyed the show. And we'll be talking tomorrow in, uh, you know, with, with a different topic, different guests. Uh, so until then, have a, a good one. We'll talk soon. Ciao, ciao. Bye-bye.